Welcome to another edition of Your Impact Attack. That's right, it's Your Impact Attack. I'm getting a little tired of this. Uh, <laughs> you keep giving it back to us, and we keep telling you it's yours. Like, this is ridiculous. How many weeks has this been now? And anyway, well, who are we? Um, well, I'm Jamie the Vet Williams, and with me as always is my tag team partner, Brandon. And I reach over for the tag, and there's the tag. Brandon, what's up? Not a whole lot, man. How are you doing today? I'm great because we also have with us a third man to make this a trios. And you may know this guy from the PWC where he talks about places that have trios championships such as uh, AEW. Uh, straight from the PWC, we have Chris Ams joining us once again. Chris, welcome. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Yeah, I'm uh, super happy to be here. Um, like every other time I've been here, um, I'm looking forward to being both educated and entertained, just like everybody listening. So thanks That's for having right. me. We like to do uh, two birds with one stone type stuff around here. So we'll definitely be doing that. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, one of the reasons that I decided to uh, invite... It was an inciting incident that, that I decided to invite good old Chris here back to the show. Not only because he's a Canadian and Impact is a very Canadian-leaning company. Like, that is always a good fit. And so you can never be surprised to see Chris's face uh, joining to make us a trio's team. Uh, but there has to be some inciting incident usually for me to think, Oh yeah, i got to bring somebody on. And so I was listening to uh, the great um, Wednesday night skirmish from the PWC, and I was just so excited to listen to this episode because, you know, with these, with Jimmy T's and Chris's analysis, not so much Dr. Jeff, but mostly the other two guys, <laughs> like, I, I, I always look forward to, to hearing what they have to say about certain uh, talents and, and their opinions on how the show is going, because I follow along with AEW, even though I don't do a lot of reviews for AEW. So when it it came time for Jay White to have a singles match on AEW Dynamo, I was like, oh, these guys are in for a treat. And then I proceeded to listen to what Chris had to say about the match and he forgot to do one thing which is he forgot to actually talk about what jay white did in the match so i decided i should either give him the public platform to either apologize for what he was saying that's no, kidding you don't have to apologize for anything or either either reevaluate or defend his his comments and uh and so that that's what he's doing here today so i apologize brandon if this is a little selfish of me to start off the show with this way we've got one minor news tidbit to kind of talk about real briefly before we get into this average episode of impact but 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 chris i'd like to hand the floor over to you and and kind of uh you tell your side of the story of how we got here and uh and and whatever you have to say after reevaluating the uh match in question Okay, well, thank you very much, first of all, for using the word great to describe the skirmish. I appreciate that. Um, I often say that the skirmish is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast about AEW Dynamite. Um, by that, I basically mean you and Big Ray, who, who both tell me how great the show is, and I love you guys. So if I'm not your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast, I'm at least my favorite podcast 
favorite podcaster's favorite podcast about AEW Dynamite. Um, I will definitely not apologize for my opinion, but I will state um, I uh, I rewatched the match today um, so that it would be fresh in my mind. Um, I. I don't remember saying that I didn't think that Jay White was good. Um, I remember saying that I thought that going 10 minutes against someone who is the size and weight of my daughters isn't a good way to build a star. Um, Jay White, I thought, acquitted himself quite well. I think that if you're evaluating him as a professional wrestler, you'd have to say that almost everything that he did in the match was... uh, between good and great. Um, There was a couple of moments where um, it seemed like he was trying to tell a story of why it took 10 minutes for him to beat Commander, which was that he was distracted by what was going on with Sean Spears. Um, There was a couple of times in there where as he's hitting Commander, he's looking over at Spears, kind of doing the whole, yeah, like, you know, I'm I'm doing this because you're pissing me off, buddy. Uh, kind of thing, which obviously is a distraction, uh, which leads to Commander getting some more offense. I still think that a 10-minute match against a guy this small um, isn't a good way to bring a guy in if you want him to be a real star. Um, But, hey, what do I know? You're the vet. You tell me how I got it wrong. Well, it's not that you got anything wrong per se, but what it sounded like on the episode of The Skirmish is that you're laying this at the feet of Jay White. Oh, no. No, no. To me, everything that was wrong with this match was the booking. Um, I don't have anything wrong with Commander even as a, as a performer. I mean, I don't like the style of match that he has. I'm just not that interested in... Um, now, I need to be careful with how I word this because the IWC tends to really confuse what people are saying about this kind of thing. I like high-flying matches. Um, I I used to love watching the cruiserweights in WCW, but I very rarely remember watching spots between the cruiserweights where it looked obviously like one guy was helping another guy stand up or get his balance on the ropes or, or set up for a spot or where one guy was very clearly, you know, this last week was a good example of it. Um, with Vikingo um, literally looking like looking up at uh, Drillistico going, I'll catch you, I'll catch you, hit the move already. Um, I don't like that kind of wrestling, but I don't even have necessarily a problem with them signing a guy like Commander if he's going to be used in the right way. But to me, the booking of this match was abysmal. Oh, and that's it? That's it, yeah. Jay White was great. I, I think that Jay White is super talented and my problem with the match wasn't jay white is a bad performer it was jay white could become a star and the booking here is all wrong okay well you failed to say any of that on the skirmish so i'm glad i was able to let you say it here because all you said on the skirmish was it took jay white this long to beat this guy <laughs> and it was like it was all his idea so you have to make those things clear uh okay. when you're a broadcaster you, you must make sure to tell the right story, even if the company is not telling the right story. Now, while I will agree that it was an odd choice to put Commander with Jay White for no particular reason, um, I also think that if you were going to put him with anybody as an obvious showcase, uh, he put him with the right guy. Now, in one thing that I think fans have to remember is especially with these things it doesn't seem like you need to remember it but a lot of fans need to remember that 
a lot of times, okay, not almost all of the time, a wrestler shows up for work and he's given an assignment. Now, granted, they billboarded this match like a week in advance. So it's not like Jay strolled in with his bags that day and realized he had to, you know, put over some guy that he never touched before. Um, he had a week to find out that he had to put over some guy that he never touched before. Now, whether Tony was a genius for knowing that Jay was the right guy to showcase this guy who they obviously want to showcase because they have a working relationship with AAA and Conan is, this is one of his guys and they're trying to have this kind of like, you know, it's like everybody's working together except the WWE type of thing in the wrestling business right now. You know, whatever you think of Commander, this is a guy that they want to spotlight and showcase. And there have been a lot of times throughout history where guys have had to say, you know, get over while getting somebody else over. Um, to me, if you if you wanted to make Jay White a star, I don't know what else you really do at this point because you're not going to make a star out of a two-minute squash. If you went in there and ran over Commander in a minute and a half, two minutes, like everybody thinks that he should have, then that doesn't do anything for Jay White either because they're going to say, well, who did he beat? All he beat was this, this little Commander guy. And that would have been the spot for a guy that looks like that but can't do that, like a Fuego del Sol or a Serpentico. You want to get an untalented small guy that you smash over in a minute and a half, but you want to showcase a guy like Commander that can do unique things. I guess that's the mindset of whoever's booking this match, whether it's all Tony's idea, whether he was advised to do it, however this thing came to be. We're handed assignments as wrestlers, and damn it, we have to make the best of with what we've got. I watched another match today um, because it popped in my mind. Um, and uh, maybe you can see where I'm going with this when I ask you, Chris, who's your favorite wrestler of all time? I mean, I know the answer, but... It's, you know, uh, well, it's not just my favorite wrestler of all time, but it's the, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be, Brett the Hitman Hart. Right. So maybe you're familiar with uh, SummerSlam 1993, in which Bret Hart showed up with his bags at the building and had to put a similar amount of time in uh, with a literal clown. Now, what do you think was going through Bret Hart's mind when he got told, yeah, you got to do 10 minutes with Doink the Clown tonight, and, uh, you know, that th these are the kinds of things that, that we have to deal with and we shouldn't have to deal with. But it's all about how you acquit yourself. So I watched this match. I'm sure you're familiar with the match, right? Yeah. Yep. Do you remember exact, you know, more or less how the match went? I don't really remember like a play-by-play -play on it, but I do remember coming away thinking, you know, coming away from it thinking as I often did with Brett. Uh, I don't know, I don't know how he got that out of Doink, but he got something pretty good out of Doink here in ten minutes. Yes. So now, for the people that don't remember and only think of Doink as like a rib, he actually was a decent gimmick if you really remember the original kind of thing of Doink. It was Matt Bourne who was. Yeah, a good worker, you know, like real good worker. Um, but he had that gimmick and it was an okay gimmick, but still, 
Like, there's no way you can slice it to where Bret Hart can point to a match he had with a clown and be proud of what he does for a living in that moment, right? Like, there's just, there's just no way. Uh, so basically what happens in the match is he starts kicking the shit out of Doink for about, you know, a couple of minutes. Then Jerry Lawler, with his crutch, like, distracts Bret Hart, and, you know, Bret Hart decides to go after him, because that's who the feud is really with. It started with and ended with, um, because it ended up being another match right after that match with him and Jerry Lawler. So, but anyway, yeah, so so the distraction causes Doink to get a little bit of heat. Doink gets a little bit of heat, Bret Hart sells, and then all of a sudden he's like, hey, wait a minute, this is a fucking clown. And he, he starts his comeback, kicks the shit out of him, puts the sharpshooter on him, and then uh, Jerry Lawler hits him with a crutch. So more or less how it should have gone, you know, for a main event person who was just the champion earlier in the year, one king of the ring a, like a couple of months before or whatever. So he treated the clown like a clown. Yep. The idea with Jay White and Commander is if Jay White's in the situation, which he could have just done what anybody else would have done, which is, okay, I'm going to do all this shit and Commander can kick out and Commander can do all this shit and I, and I can kick out and then we can do an overbooked finish or whatever. <sighs> instead, of, instead of doing that, Jay White went the play with your food route. Okay, he made it seem like I have no business being in this ring, just like Brett had no business being in the ring with a clown. He taunts the guy. He doesn't actually do anything in the match to where um, he's in any danger of losing, or even to the point where he's attempting to the win, to, to win the match, to the degree that he even shakes his hand at the beginning and then doesn't kick him right away. <laughs> he's like, I don't even need to do any heel tactics to beat this child. And that's exactly what it is. And yet he still manages to showcase a lot of the things that make commander what commander is without compromising himself. I didn't struggle to beat commander. I didn't, it didn't take me 10 minutes to beat commander. I took 10 minutes to beat commander because this is my time on TV. So he did a lot of great things in that match. And one of my favorite things that he did, not to put too long of a, you know, a, a conversation on this, this one, this one point, cause we can move on. But, um, I don't know if you noticed, but like what, if you, if you're tuning in to watch commander and you only know one thing about commander, what do you want to see commander do? You want to see him walk on the ropes. Right. Um, what did Jay white do? If you see where I'm going with that. Well, he he took it away at the at the beginning. Um, he tried to do the rope the, the rope lock. Jay White took it away. Good heel tactic there. You don't get to see what you came to see, and then eventually Commander was able to hit it afterwards. Right. He took it away twice. Yeah. One time, ah. Second time, a little closer. Third time, you finally get it. So even though this kid's getting his ass kicked for most of the time, and he's he's going under. You know, he still got that one thing. And those are the kind of things that I don't know if, honestly, 99% of the roster would have been able to do that or think of that in that match. I don't even, at this point in his career, I don't even know if Danielson would have done it like that. But he's the only guy that I would think would, would know enough to know. Well, Punk would do it, I think. But, probably, you know, you know, those two guys, though, and look at who those two guys are. So, I mean... When when you're like me and you, you're watching all this wrestling, it's like crawling through a desert. You know, like I'm starving. I'm dying of heat exhaustion. 
and the sun is beating down on me and when i see when i get to see a guy like jay work that's like an oasis for me so i don't want it to be over in a minute and a half two minutes i want to sit down and, and i want to savor that meal because i don't know when i'm going to get it again so like i hope that some people appreciate that you know going forward and can look at the other things like beside the booking and and really appreciate that not just for jay white not just in AEW. if there's anybody that you like for reasons that you you know why you like them or even if you're not sure why you like them really that's the only way to enjoy pro wrestling these days in my opinion because no company's going to put on a good show top to bottom nobody has good booking all you can do is just watch your favorites and try to appreciate them as much as you can a la carte I say that well, all the time. And, and not just not good booking, but I think that they don't have good commentary either because, no. you know, as as you're explaining this match to me, I'm thinking, God, I wish Jamie was on commentary during this match. He would have explained all of this a lot better. He could have helped tell the story that was being told in the ring. Whereas, you know, instead, it's they, they don't do that they don't tell me that that's what's going on and all oh, you know and i remember i remember as a kid watching watching as jr gave commentary like that right where he would say oh he's he's just he's just playing with the poor kid you know like you know pin him already stop stop playing with your food kind of thing and you know like mm -hmm. those kinds of like little things that that make pro wrestling from like kind of a fun thing you know kind of a fun way to waste two hours to like what can be professional like professional wrestling can be like top-notch storytelling and i mean that i know i sound like an idiot when i say that to people but professional wrestling done right and i mean it's all these little things right you have the right commentators say the right thing at the right time and then everybody watching gets the same story and they get the right story you know if you had have been on commentary i probably would have said you know something to the degree of hey it probably took a little longer than i would have had them go but you know look at all of the good things that jay white was able to do here but again we don't have you on commentary we have some guy in a goddamn mask it's, it's a man in an Excalibur mask. Um, the the uh, this it's just those it is those little things like it's the closest thing to a Bret Hart that we get is guys like Jay. So I just hope everybody really appreciates what he does. Although I know that everybody hasn't followed his career to the degree that I have, so they don't know those little things. And they don't know that the character, it would make sense for his character, but he knows his character and he's going to do the right business with whatever creative control he has at his disposal to make himself look good and do his job, which is to showcase this guy. Now, I don't think, I'm pretty sure they were going to sign Commander regardless, but they did not sign Commander after this match. So, I mean, there is that, but... um what to and and, Brett, and to stick with Bret Hart, it could be a it could be a Tim McGee situation there, huh? Um, oh, the Tom, yeah, the Tom Mega, McGee, Mega Man, yeah, Tom yeah. McGee, yeah. yeah. And, and just for because Jay White made him look so good. Exactly, and that match was a shits anyway. I saw it. It was. <laughs> I was like, I still wouldn't have gave that guy. Like, I could see through that. So how could those guys back then not see through that? You know what I mean? I just like. So anyway, but that's how good Bret was. That's how good Jay is, and guys, please continue to appreciate Jay. And and the, just one little, the little cherry on top, just just so you know what kind of a character Jay is. But you probably saw this too, when Ricky Starks hits the ring, and and spears Juice, and Jay just powders out immediately. <laughs> like, 
like, I don't, I'm not dealing with this. That's the kind of snake that he is. And, uh, and you're, you hopefully the only way AEW can fuck this up is just taking him off TV. Cause as long as he's on the camera, he'll be doing all the right things. Now, Brandon, you've, you got to see Jay a little bit when, uh, he, he made a stopover and impact there and, and he was doing some fun stuff. So I know, I know you are kind of aware of what he can do, but I mean, do you, do you have any overall thoughts on everything that was said here? Uh, as long as like the creative is good as long as he has a lot more control over it. And again, me personally, I like to see more than just what's in the ring. Yes. Well, he can cut uh, a hell of a promo. I, I will say but he hasn't done it yet. They uh, they did about a thirty second um, video the week before with him and Juice Robinson both just basically talking about how they're bringing Bullet Club Gold to Impact or to right. sorry to Impact to, to AEW Wrestling, and um, I actually I, I said on the skirmish that week I said you know these thirty second video packages when they're done right help get a guy over so much better than a five minute match. Like, and it's not even close. I mean, I, I was, we were talking last week about, you know, if you remember, um, I was watching back the original pop that Val Venus got when he first came out. Um, that was a mega pop today. That was the kind of pop that people, it, main eventers in both companies would love to have a pop like Val Venus's original debut pop. And the reason for it is because they had 30 second videos explaining who he was and what he was doing there and what his character was. They had all of that explained for a month and a half before he ever showed up to begin with. So yeah, I agree. It has to be more than just what's in the ring. And I mean, that's one of the major problems with AEW is that they seem to forget all of that and just, expect everybody to already know everything about these guys character when they show up right yeah. one, of, one of the biggest complaints about them has always been like they expect people to be watching like being the elite and watch their other content to understand what's going on in the main show and it's like that. it's like no you you can't do that no i can't no you're not now you can reference it if you show a clip of it right before you go into what you're about to do so people know what's going on but like you can't just assume everything. Yeah. Well, it's it's like this whole thing. It's it's almost like um, no one knows how to promote wrestling matches anymore. But um, that's uh, neither here nor there. I'm glad we were able to clear the air on this and that I didn't have to excoriate you further in public <laughs> because you sounded like you actually knew what you were talking about that time. So there you go. Right. Yeah, I I knew I was I knew I was wrong to doubt you in the first place. All right. So uh, anyway, in other news, um, guess who's backstage at Raw tonight? <laughs> Anybody see this? You read about uh, this? Yeah. You heard about this? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, I love it. I, I love seeing things that are just going to make people go nuts with a bunch of asinine assumptions and bullshit. Right? Like, <laughs> I just sit back and watch and with the, the Michael Jackson thriller popcorn meme, all that stuff. <laughs> And Punk knows what he's doing. Like he Punk had to know that this was going to become a thing and that it was going to be all over the internet. And now he's probably, you know, somewhere in a dark corner taking a break from his cocaine piles. Tony Khan is definitely chewing on his fingernails. You know, I mean, Punk knows how to work not just the internet, but he definitely knows how to work, you know, I, I hate to use this term because I just don't think that it's appropriate for a lot of people, but it, it definitely is for Tony Khan. I think that Punk really knows how to work marks. 
And Tony Khan is a mark. He's a money mark, but he's a mark. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, to, to be honest, you know, based on my history and everything I know about Punk, it's I don't know so much that he's working the marks on purpose or that he just does what he does and everybody else just gets worked because uh, he seems like he doesn't care. But, uh, but uh, Brandon, what do you think? Uh, is Triple H going to sign CM Punk tonight? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's interesting, though, that they did, like, meet up and have, a, like, a interaction with each other. That is very interesting. Yeah, I wonder what that was like. But, I mean, these guys are like, at this point, a lot of stuff has happened since the last time. You very know, Triple, Triple H was at death's door. You know, CM Punk has been, you know, sitting at home bored for several years. Like, they, they've all had time to reflect on things and, and to not exactly be who they were, you know, when they were younger men. And they've probably gotten over a lot of things. So there's really no reason to, you know, let any of that stuff get in the way of anything. But still, um, one thing that everybody really forgets when you're talking about these contract negotiations, the one point that a lot of people just fail to bring up is that if you sign with AEW, you're going to get, regardless of if they make you have matches with Commander or not, you're going to get basically the same similar pay as you would get from the WWE, and you're going to work a fraction of the amount. So if it's their prerogative to sit you at home and pay you and have everybody saying, where's Miro, you know, for however many months or years now, um, then that's on them. And I'm sure he's very comfortable not throwing himself to the ground on purpose and still collecting money. Um, in WWE, they're going to expect you to show up and do stuff. And some guys aren't necessarily as, as big a fan of that. So that's what you really have to worry about. If you're the person that loves the grind of showing up at the airport, renting a car, driving to a hotel, checking into the shitty hotel, trying to get the gym, trying to get healthy food, showing up at the arena, sitting around, finding out that you don't have shit to do on the show that night. So then you go in the back and play video games with the Xavier Woods. And then people say, all these fucking kids play video games now. It's nothing like it was when I was in the business. And you have to yeah, hear all that shit. Yeah, doing Somas in the fucking back now. Yep. They're playing video games. Everybody chill out back there. Yeah, everybody's... All the, all the old veterans are mad because Madden and 2K are better than playing fucking Pinochle or whatever the fuck you were playing with Andre the Giant and Arnold Scullin back then. Or like Chase Dragon. Yes, this there's no, the you know it, it's just do you want to basically what I'm saying is do you want to sign up for that or do you want to just go to AEW and you know maybe have a match with Commander sometimes I think it depends on the person it depends on how they're built so I think um, for somebody like Punk it's like he's gonna look at this like. Well, I don't want to show up and work really hard and have people tell me what to do that I'm going to constantly be saying that's stupid. Uh, so I'd rather do that once a week than three to four times a week. Yeah, well, and I think that also, you know, the I think you hit the nail on the head pretty much. But I, I think that, like, the way that these companies market themselves is exactly what you have to look at if you're if you're a professional, right? Do you like professional wrestling or are you more into entertainment? And 
you know, one of these companies is going to give you way more opportunities in terms of getting into entertainment, in terms of getting seen, in terms of being famous, etc. And the other one's going to give you way more opportunities to be a good professional wrestler. So, um, yeah. And I mean, if I'm if I'm CM Punk, I'm listening to all of the chatter on the Internet. Right. Uh, well, I mean, CM Punk might really not be because he's CM probably, Punk. Probably but, not. Yeah. But I mean, you know, we've we've heard that there's a possibility there's a possibility that AEW might create a whole new show and put Punk on it, but there's also a possibility that they may look to completely buying CM Punk out. And if I'm CM Punk and I'm hearing I might get bought out, yeah, I might show up at WWE to put a little pressure on them on the other side. Hey, you guys let me go. I've got other places to go. Shit. Yeah, what do you think, Brandon? You think it's... Uh, what about you personally? If you were uh, still working, uh, would, would, you, would you prefer the... Uh, Airport life or uh, the uh, s- s- the Miro life? At this point, probably the Miro life. Definitely yeah. the Miro life. Yeah. I mean, he's he's got money in the bank. He doesn't need it. And he sleeps in a big bed with his beautiful wife. Yep. More time for that if you're uh, not, you know, at the Days Inn in Toledo, Ohio, or whatever. So. I mean, yeah, something. But I'm pretty sure that, um, you know, I'm pretty sure that CM Punk and Tony Khan are on the same page, and they probably talk all the time. And they leave it, again, up to the marks to speculate on what is going on. Because like I pointed out on the Monday Locker Room today, channelad2.com, um, <laughs> Punk has been hurt. That's the reason he's not there. If he had not been hurt, he would be there. He doesn't care about what the Young Bucks do or what the Kenny Omega does. He didn't like them when he showed up. Why would he? You know, it doesn't matter if they got into a fight. He already didn't really like them or there wouldn't have been a fight. So if he was a, if he's the professional that he is and he was cleared to be able to wrestle, he would have been there doing something. And I don't think... I also don't think that Tony Khan would create a whole new show just for CM Punk. Again, I think that's rampant speculation, but he does have a roster that's so big that damn it, he probably might need another two hours. And if Warner brother needs another two hours, I did find it funny that, um, you know, they get kicked off of TNT, but now they're talking about, we need two hours on TNT. So it's like, uh, what is all going on here? But you know, that whole, that whole, company conglomerate merger they're all a bunch of jokes and a mess obviously so i mean but the only thing more of a mess than trying to figure out what's going on there is trying to piece it together from you know the fightful selects and the you know the the house of wrestlings of the world and and trying to listen to them and trust them too so i guess all we can really do is just sit back and see what happens but uh you know as long as you've got your you know, thriller jacket on and you have your popcorn it should be, should be good. Um, speaking of good, what do you say? We talk about impact wrestling, huh? Oh wait, that was not good. I said, speaking <laughs> of bad, let's talk about impact <laughs> wrestling, huh? Even though as Chris's lower third States impact may be better than the rest of wrestling this week, but that's only because you didn't watch the stardom queen, something or other, whatever it was thing, uh, that they had the other day because that's probably I'm, the best wrestling i'm of the sure world. i would have loved it yeah uh all right so we're gonna kick this episode of impact off with a rebellion recap now chris you didn't watch rebellion right i did go back and watch rebellion so that you, i would be 
So you watch all be, of Rebellion? So that I would be properly prepped for this show, yes. There's sir. no such thing as properly prepped for this show. <laughs> Brandon didn't watch Rebellion. What are you doing <laughs> watching Rebellion? You son of a bitch. All right. Well, anyway, it's nice that you watch Rebellion. Um, I. What were your takeaways from Rebellion? Um, I liked the show, actually. I, I came away from the show really thinking that... Um, Impact is probably the best booked wrestling um, in terms of like major wrestling that exists right now. Um, it's a lot cleaner, makes a lot more sense. Um, there are definitely things to nitpick, but in terms of like a big show, I thought that they pulled it off really, really well. I thought the crowd in Toronto was great, as they generally are in Canadian cities. I mean, we're a loud country when it comes to sports because mostly people just avoid us. So we, we appreciate it. You guys come up here, um, but yeah, keep yeah, it down I, up there. <laughs> and and to be honest with you, I, I think that Impact might have the best announced team too. I, I thought that they, I thought that they told very clear stories throughout the night, and I thought the same thing about Impact this week too. That um, the stories that they were telling in the ring matched completely with what was being said um, on commentary. So yeah, I, I really liked both shows. All right. Um, I I particularly liked, uh, and, and don't worry, Brandon. We'll move off of rebellion real quick. But I particularly liked the uh, the uh, Kushida and uh, Macklin match. Yeah, like I thought really that was match. damn near a perfectly worked match. And Kushida's never been one of my favorite Japanese wrestlers. Like of all the guys to bring over from New Japan, when Kushida came over, I was like, all right, <laughs> you know, I wasn't. <laughs> too excited even though i know he can get it done in there but i mean i've seen macklin a lot of times okay that was all kushida in that match bro i gotta give it up to him for putting that together because it was really good and made sense and that's another example of what you're saying about telling that story in the ring you hear guys say tell a story in the ring and then they never explain how the story is told what the story is or how to do it that's why I like to do it when I can. Unfortunately, most of the shows I review, like NXT, there is no story. NXT is, no. you know, bootleg Hannah Montana, you know, level of, you know, young adult comedy. It's not about professional wrestling. So the matches are all just like it's, it's on fast forward and it's just there to move to the next, you know, cartoony, you know, Sweet Valley High Angle or whatever they're doing. Um, Impact has a lot of good, like, I guess just plain matches. But then again, a lot of people have very uh, boring matches. Not necessarily boring like there's no action in the match. But it's like, well, you are having a match and it's not good enough to recommend. And it's not bad enough to pick apart. So it's just there and it's very middling. And that's what I struggle with, and, and Brandon, we, we talk about that every week here. Um, but uh, the, um, what was it? Uh, anyway, they had the, a recap of Rebellion. We're going to get a changing of the guard ceremony tonight, whatever the fuck that means. And, and we're still here doing the tapings at the Rebel Complex, which now... Um, Brandon, now you've seen a show in the Rebel Complex. You've seen it from several angles or whatever. We talked about this. Uh, Chris, I'll get to you in a second. But what, like, just, just the venue now, seeing it on a whole show, what, what did you think about the venue? 
I thought it was a neat venue. I liked the setup. The, the way they had the screens and the lights was unique and different. That place would look great packed and just filled up. That's just my opinion. Sure. Chris, have you been to the Rebel thing in Toronto? <laughs> no. Um, contrary to uh, what people may understand about Ontario, it is fucking huge. And I live on the complete opposite end of Ontario. Um, I live eight hours north of Minneapolis. And the, that part of Ontario is next to Buffalo, New York. So imagine how far away that is. It's still in Ontario, but it would take me about 26 hours to drive to that part of Ontario. Hey, look, I didn't ask if you went there this time. I said, <laughs> have you ever been there? Because, you know, you find yourself in different countries around the world. I know this about you. You could have ended up on the other side of Ontario. So I was just asking it just in case, you know, we had a, a live on the scene, uh, you know, report possible. So, you know, I, I avoid the southern part of Ontario as much as humanly possible. Um, but in terms of in terms of the arena, uh, we're definitely two for two on this. Uh, I love that arena. I mean, I've only seen it for Rebellion in this show, but it is uh, very, very unique. It is something that you do not see, and it adds something to the show. Um, I, I really, like I, like I said, I, I, I came away from that thinking, like, I came away from that honestly hoping that, like... <laughs> honestly hoping that next year for the 2k game those guys build like something similar for a creator arena or something because i loved it i thought it was great put the put the pe put the dome pieces for the ceiling and everything in the creative mode um follower bears asking me what do i think about cm punk at wwe that's why you're late pal i already <laughs> talked about it uh, but you can catch uh, you can catch the replay or you can go to channelattitude.com of course to see uh, my thoughts on that uh, so yeah, cool complex. I like it. I still like it here at this uh, at this taping, and uh, I thought it was cool on the pay per view. So nice look. It reminds me of we had these theaters in my neighborhood called the Cinedome Theaters, and like the room had those each each theater room had those like domed like those high domed roof. So like it just even if you're not looking directly up, you still get a sense of like the curvature of the ceiling and everything like that. So it just it looks kind of cool and different. Um, but we're kicking this episode off with a match like we usually do. We usually, if you notice the format, there's a pattern here. Cold match to start, um, and that's going to be a six-man tag uh, with a time machine um, versus octoball tray. And uh, I wanted to notice uh, that uh, John Gresham has his cool robe again. I mean, he's been just coming out with a plain-ass T-shirt, like, and he even did that on a pay-per-view, and I was like. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Octopus, where are your robes and ornate mask and flag and other things on this pay-per-view as you come out in a fucking t-shirt like every other? It just looks like you forgot your pants because you wear those little trunks and everything like that, so maybe get the robe back, but here it is. He's got a robe. Uh, and then, um, and then I'm looking at this and I'm going, Trey Miguel is Ricochet. Like, he's just Ricochet. And I, I don't mean that as, as an insult in the sense of, like, well, he just looks similar, so he can't really help it. I'm talking about when he gets in there and does that pose where he like pulls the hood back and stands on the buckle with the belt and everything. I'm like, that is Ricochet's. That's his thing. He does that. What do you? Can you? Can you not? Um, I was thinking. Um, 
And unless he's doing like a new gimmick or he's getting ready to start a new gimmick, he needs to shave that patch of back hair in between his shoulder blades because that's gross. Just randomly hairless except for one patch in the middle of the back. Like, what gimmick could that be, Brandon? What what, what do you think he's trying to get going there? Uh, I don't know, some hipster patch? Hipster? It's like a, it's like a soul patch but on your upper back. Can't say it's been done before. Uh, So, yeah, like, you know... Like- yeah, like, but you like, you know, like that's a weird hair, like facial hairstyle, like hipsters. Maybe he's doing that on his back. That's how he convinces people that he's not just uh, that he's not just uh, aping Ricochet's gimmick. He's like, no, Ricochet doesn't have this patch on his back. <laughs> Fuck you. Guys. He doesn't have regular hair and back hair. He doesn't have either Fuck one you. of those. Fuck things. you guys. Now play my music. One and only. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, so there you go. But. Uh, yeah, so you know, Brandon, I'll kick it to you first. Uh, any of your impressions about this whole thing? This this ordeal goes a while, uh, which I was yeah. already smartened up about uh, from uh, from our own Lizbeth. Uh, sorry, we didn't acknowledge you guys, but uh, I was too hot to get into talking about Jay White. So, <laughs> you know, you'll you'll have to be acknowledged at a later date. But um, but yeah, you know, go ahead and uh, kind of fill us in on your thoughts on this whole opening contest. Oh man, it's. I just don't understand why like I'm like this match could have gone half as long and even a couple of sh- minutes shaved off like ten minutes as went close to like twenty five, and you could have got the same thing across and devoted more of that time to other people who are having trouble getting on the show or giving more time to your champions, more time to Moose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, where was uh, where was Giselle at? Where was uh, Tasha at? Good point. Killer Kelly. They were they were taped for different segments that'll air next week. Probably. Uh Masha Jordan. Yep. We know we're getting them next week. So yeah. um, anything else? And then there's a spot where it was like it was and it was and looked great where uh Saban kicked speedball right in the face, like just a right in the corner, and then like Five seconds later, speedballs on top. Like, way to completely shit on that. Well, you know, he's so speedball. He's, he's, he's fast. He doesn't have time to right. sell or other things, right? And, and that's how we and we know that's how these matches go. Yeah, especially I was su- actually I was surprised it didn't go as much like that uh, this time because even though there was things like that, um, less than you usually see in a machine guns match. Um, Chris, you may or may not know, I'm just not very high on the machine guns, but I actually didn't mind most of this. Uh, what about you? Uh, like, what did you see? Um, and do you agree with the assessment that this did not need to be as long as it was? Oh, this, I mean, even me who like, I haven't watched impact. So to me, there's a novelty here, right? It's like, Oh, I'm watching something. Um, I haven't gotten used to, right. I watched, I watched rebellion and that was cool. And that's a little novelty. I'm watching impact for the first time in a while now. And, um, even I, but by the time they got done the second segment, I was just going, what the fuck did he fuck, man? Get a (laughs) pin already. This is ridiculous. Like, um, you know, and again, it would be one thing if you had like, you know, if this was like Kurt Angle and Moose and Christian Cage and like a bunch of main event guys in the, you know, and, and that's how you wanted to start your show. If you had if you had something like that, but I mean, you've got, you know, a tag team 
um, a couple of guys from the X division and, you know, Kushida, you know, I mean, he's good and everything that there was some good talent in this match, but I mean, did it, did anybody, did anybody get more over from this match? I didn't think that anybody did. I just thought that it was kind of indulgent for them to go that long. And, um, I mean, it was a fine match. Like you said, nobody, I mean, nobody fucked up. Nobody, you know, nobody stepped on anybody's head or anything. And nobody, nobody got a concussion out of this, but it was, I mean, maybe I got a concussion from falling asleep and hitting my head at the end of this. It was, you know, just, it was entirely too long, overly indulgent. I actually do like the machine guns. Well, that's, that's a bit of a stretch. I like Shelly. Um, I've always liked Alex Shelley's work. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I like I like catches catch can. I like guys who can move quickly and and look like they're trying to win matches. And I've always sort of seen that from Shelley whenever he's not concussed. Um, <laughs> the rest of the the rest of everybody here, I thought that they were telling a good story on the other side. It was the classic professional wrestling. Can they get along? Uh, <laughs> Three man team, but. I mean, it was fine. It was too long. Okay. You guys have said your piece. Now, I ingested a lot of caffeine today, so I was a little bit more focused on some of the impact matches that I normally am. And so I'm going to point out some things here, especially in relation to what you guys have both said. Um, first point is the match was too long, like you both said. Uh, again, though, back to my point when I was talking about Jay White, these guys are assigned this amount of time and they have to fill it there's nothing they can do i don't know if it was indulgent on their part or someone else's part maybe somebody back there just loves to pleasure themselves to you know triple and double and triple teams and in in six-man tag matches and maybe that's why it had to go this long maybe time got added in the middle of the match yeah or it's like oh we need something to fill time oh well it's six man that they know what they're doing is give them more time in their match. Yes. Like these guys are all at the level of which if you had the ref, you know, Iggy, those guys that you got to go longer for whatever reason, um, then they can just do it. And in all honesty, it almost felt like that because, and I don't think it was, but it's not just that it was too long. It, it becomes a point where, the match no longer serves a purpose anymore. You get the people to a point and then you got to take it home. The point was right before the second commercial break. Yep. They should have been going home. Instead, they went into another set of heat. That was where they made the mistake. Uh, Jerome Hall says, what story is this match telling? Okay. I'll tell you what the story is. It's actually not bad. Now, Time Machine is, it would be, you know, an official trios team in AEW. They, they would compete as that besides. So, like, when Kushida joins, they are Time Machine. Without him, they're just the Motor City Machine Guns. That's official, so that's all. that all checks out. The other side of the match is intriguing because Speedball and Gresham have a babyface-friendly rivalry going where they've each split a pair of matches... And Trey Miguel has cost them a decision in the third match because he jumped them in the match and got the match thrown out. So now they're sitting at one and one, 
but they're both contending for that X division title, which he has. So you can see how, if that really happened in real life, a booker would be tempted to say, well, what if we do this and put them in there? So the story of the matches, you know, like you said, Chris, are they going to be able to coexist? You know, two baby faces and a heel um, that also have, you know, a actual sports reason for, you know, being together. Um, so that was good. And for the most part, they played that up. And I like that. And also for the most part, the Motor City Machine Guns were tagging. Normally, they just feel like they can get in and do whatever they want whenever they want. It's it's basically, you know, CMLL or AAA whenever the Motor City Machine Guns. It's, or it's, AEW. Or AEW, which that's where they get it from. Um, but, uh, but, like, they even did a, a cool, like, they, they set up a cool triple team um, spot where it was supposed to be Saban that drop kicks, you know, the guy in the clutch or whatever, while they, they both got him in a hold or whatever. But he just had to run the ropes like 10 times or whatever it was just to make it extra phony, you know? So, so like, even when they do something right, there's something wrong about it that you can nitpick and take apart. I also noticed from a production standpoint, when they did a picture-in-picture, they had a weird time code pop up in the in the actual live window. Where it was, it was, it was saying that the timing was like at an hour and you know however many minutes and however many seconds and however many milliseconds. So like you could see that they had been recording that long when they got to this match, which only lasted about fifteen to twenty, somewhere in between fifteen and twenty minutes. So it's an interesting, you know, little gaff that shows you like the fact that these are all taped like in advance and then edited later, and we have no idea what order or whatever it was. So I just noticed that. I thought that was kind of weird. Um, Trey Miguel tagged with his feet off the apron, which I know nobody gives a shit about tag team rules or wrestling or anything anymore, but if you I have do. your feet off... Yeah, well, Chris does, and no one else, but uh, he... Well, maybe Brandon cares. Um, but And anybody listening that cares, you all care. But anybody else that's outside of the earshot of my voice, you don't care, and you're part of the problem. Uh, until you listen to this back on Channel Attitude, and then you you do care. Um, but the point is, he had his feet on the bottom rope, and he reached over to make the tag, and the referee allowed it. He's even bothering to hold the tag rope. So it's kind of like, you know, why do you even care about any of this? But uh, you shouldn't do that. Um, and then, uh, let's see, what happens at the finish? Uh, yeah, who, who else would win this match but 1998 Goldberg? Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> with a cradle that's... yeah with the cradle shock a simple cradle shock after all the crazy shit you saw throughout the rest of the match yep at, at, on the champion too you know just to just to make extra sure like yep that's right i'm goldberg 98 nobody's beating me i'm chris saban you know that's that's what we do here and yeah i wouldn't have it any other way uh could this match have closed closed the show probably with the length that it was it probably should have been a main event maybe they didn't give it to it because it was cold and not not really you know, built up too, too much. So, um, but, uh, that was, uh, you know, that's what I thought about it. But even with all the stuff that we said, not really as bad as I would have expected it to be. Uh, so anyway, um, Santino's with Gia and no music underneath. Uh, she's asking, will there be more in-ring appearances for Santino? 
Uh, and then uh, Delicia, as Santino calls her, interrupts this. Um, and she has a match now because he gives her one. Uh, then Swinger and Zicky interrupt. Uh, they say they have, they've got some kind of luchador, if I remember correctly, that 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 Swinger's gonna face. Um, it's probably gonna be Zicky in a mask. Uh, and then Santino says he feels like a zookeeper. Um, Brandon, what do you think of the zoo that they got running up here in the Rebel Entertainment Complex in Toronto, Ontario, Canada? It needs more moose in the zoo. Ooh, well, I've got just the thing for it's later. Canada. That's right. Right. Exactly. No excuses. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, now, where does the moose sit on the like the national animal list of uh, of Canada, Chris? Or or do they break that up by province too? Like, well, the moose is the the you know. No, I don't. Alberta, that's the Alberta animal. We don't. You know, like how, how do they do it? <laughs> I don't think we have provincial animals. I know that there are specific birds per province, but I have no idea what mm. those are. Um, I would say that the moose is probably the second most famous Canadian symbol in terms of animals, next to the beaver, because we all love beaver. Um, the beaver, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, we all love the beaver. So, um, but other than that, yeah, the moose is probably our number two, which is, uh, you know. Good for most. Pretty good. Um, so yeah. Uh, any uh, anybody else have any other comments on this little backstage thing? Santino Gold, as always. They need to uh, do something to advance the Zicky uh, Swinger thing with the fifty wins. Like maybe actually give Swinger a fluke win. Well, if it is Zicky, like I said, it won't be a fluke. I suppose I could look up the taping spoilers and find out, but I prefer to be surprised. Chris, anything? Yeah, I I really I like this a lot. Um, I think that the last time I, I was on the show with you, I didn't quite um, it didn't quite click for me exactly what was going on with Santino, and I gotta say with this with this little backstage thing here, it, it clicked for me. And I was, I was sitting there. I was, I'm not going to lie and say I was laughing because nobody sits by themselves and laughs at anything, but I definitely exhaled through my nose a couple of times. Um, I was, I was thoroughly entertained by Santino in this. He's so fucking good. I, <laughs> it was like trying to get through a match with him. Like when he's in the ring, cause he doesn't stop doing stuff like that like he he will say shit in the match that will make you crack so you gotta really be careful with him um but uh yeah like the or like the bit with Gia where he where she asked him does she really have a match right now she does now yes she does now (laughs) yeah just just so just so good um santino so underrated uh but yeah um next we get a well I was gonna. I wrote it at first. I wrote it down sepia toned Diana vignette, but it's actually after listening to what she was saying, I guess it's more like a gilded vignette of uh, Diana Parazzo here. The new age of the virtuosa. So, Chris, what do you think of the new age of the virtuosa? You saw her match at Rebellion, I presume. So, yep, um, she's excellent. I, I think that she's got to be one of the top five or six women pro wrestlers in the world right now. Um, I thought that her match uh, at the pay-per-view was pretty good. Um, you know, I... 
I as far as this as far as this package went, it was just kind of blah. It was just very, um, you know. I've seen Triple H do this for the last thirty years. You know, I'm gonna be the most prestigious champion who's ever whatever, whatever, whatever. I can't even remember the verbiage because it's like it's just so samey um, for other you know moderate heel performers, um, but. As far as her wrestling, she's great, and she gets her story across, I think, pretty well. Um, I'd like to see her do something different, something a little new, but as far as what she's doing, she's great at it. So, yeah, what do you argue. think? Yeah, what do you think, Brandon? Uh, what what could what could something new for for Diana be? Like, what could she do to change it up? I'm actually glad you brought that up because there's cause a kind of a connection on this show with something that happens later, which talks about a new age. Who else talked about a new age on this show? That's right. Oh, you didn't know? <laughs> Not that new age. Okay. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Um, all right. Well, uh, we get uh, Lish is uh, ready for her match very quickly. Uh, she's taking on. <laughs> Speaking of Triple H, she's taking on Terror Rising. How, now, this is—we've already seen her once, Chris, but dude, this is probably the first time you're seeing it. So, what, I, did that pop you when you saw that? I might have actually laughed out loud at that when they when they came to her and I saw it. All by yourself? Rising. Who does I that? Was like, I was like, that's. I was like, come on, go, come on, that's come on, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I even have her as, in my notes as Triple H. Yeah, that's right, baby. Triple H. Um, well, uh, so yeah, so so Alicia got dressed so fast she left the ass of her pants out, uh, which is, I guess, fine. Um, they have this match here, which is just her beating up poor terrorizing, you know, the way I guess Jay White should have handled Commander. And then Jody Threat comes in to make the save when Lish goes way too far. I mean, she's just out of control here. Uh, it's It's all the rage from Eddie keeping all the food from her and starving her um and that's why she just flipped out but luckily Wish jody threat came in whose gimmick is whose gimmick is clearly um the lesbian pe teacher from 1996 is that no is that, oh no her gimmick is um basically uh, from the vignettes uh, maybe jay from clerks i don't know she seemed to be <laughs> hanging out in front of convenience stores in a bad area of town with a you know uh, that, fuck, that, that's as far fuck, as i can get mother motherfucker mother motherfucker mother motherfucker mother, mother, <laughs> mother, mother, <laughs> noise 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 yeah. <laughs> put that shit in my hand yeah that um it's basically it so yeah all the fake redheads in impact we got at least four of them um but yeah, so uh yeah, uh Brandon, thoughts on this whole this whole deal. Yeah, I thought it was interesting how uh, suddenly Leisha uh, was able to get dressed and in her gear and wasn't so mad about this match and was prepared and ready to go so quickly. Man, so quick. Well, you got to be, you know. When you're a pro, you got to be on call. You you basically got to have your tights on under, you know, your clothes at all times cuz she must have been wearing her ass, her assless uh, trunks underneath her 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 jeans, just right, ready to go, all mm -hmm. times, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, jury's still out on Jody Threat for me. I'm not really impressed. Uh, she didn't really do anything here, but um, 
she had a match last time, and I'm like, eh. All right, I'll, I'll reserve judgment. More data needed. Um, but, yeah. The backstage video that she did later where she was consoling terrorizing was, I mean, beyond cringe. Like, it was, it like, I don't know if she can wrestle or not, but she looks like the lesbian PE t- teacher from 1996, and she cannot act. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's pretty much next. I mean, they show a shot of uh, Burt Macklin's personal security force before that, so you know it's you know it's coming. But other than that, you know that's the next thing. It's uh, Jody giving Tara that little pep talk on the stairs. I consider it personally a win that there was no little RGB light in the background, you know, staining the wall some color or something like that, some garish pink or urine yellow or whatever, you know. So I was just glad that they used the lighting of the building. Um, yeah, we didn't see any of those tonight. That's right. It's it may, have we won again? Has it has there been a ceasefire now? Like I don't know. I I think they just didn't like me crowing about it. I didn't think I was a sore winner about the the lights thing. You know, when they turned them off, I didn't think I like rubbed it in or or you know started grandstanding or anything like that. I just pointed out like, hey, maybe this is it, and then they fired back. So. I think they need to remix their their opening song from We Own the Night to We Own the Lights just to fuck with you guys a couple of times. Don't give them any ideas, man. And and certainly don't do it for free. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, we got that pep talk on the stairs. Nothing major. And then finally, finally we get some moose on the moose moose. All right? The show used to be called the Moose Moose, and we had to change it, not only for legal reasons, but also because he just isn't on the damn show. Uh, so he's finally on the show with a full entrance and a singles match. When was the last time this happened on Impact, Brandon? Man. Let, the last one that's coming to mind is when uh, he got his rematch against Alexander for the title. That was quite some time ago. Uh, but you know, you, you, you can never have everything. You, there's always got to be something. So Brian Myers is out here too. Like just to temper everybody's expectations about what's entertaining or whatever. Uh, you got this, you know, sack of crap coming out, you know, <laughs> trying to share the spotlight. And then you got you, Umura. bless his heart. Uh, he's working hard, but, um, damn it. It's just, I don't know what it's weird. The, here's the weird thing about the Japanese guys that are on excursion. Cause you know, I've explained the process multiple times, but just real quick. Once more, you, you go through the dojo training system in new Japan. They send you overseas to some country, whether it's rev pro and the UK or whether it's, you know, uh, CMLL in Mexico or whether it's the United States in some promotion like Impact and you do your you do your tours and you, you do your learning there and then you come back and you've got a new gimmick and you've got a career like as long as you want it. So sometimes a guy shows up, you know nondescript Japanese guy shows up somewhere, you know Okada goes to Impact he's Okato and other weird, stupid bullshit that they have him doing there. They don't have no idea what they have on their hands there, and no one would think anything of it. He shows back up in New Japan as the Rainmaker with the dyed hair and the gear and everything out of nowhere, and everybody's like, huh? Like, they, they you know, it, it's like a complete 
you know, more than a 180, uh, but not because it has to stay 180 for the analogy to make sense. But he shows back up and he's totally different. I don't really know what Uemura could show up as when he returns. Um, because they already have a guy that they want to kind of be Tanahashi, and that's uh, Shota Umino. And he's kind of doing like a John Moxley slash t- t- Hiroshi Tanahashi combo, mm-hmm. which doesn't make any sense, but he's trying to do it. Um, mm-hmm. So for the guys with their hair, with the, with the long, you know, dyed hair or whatever, like it seems like Uemura is like the backup plan or something. Uh, that's kind of what it looks like. So I don't know. Uh, but um, in this match in particular, I had a lot of little nitpicks, uh, some of which editing would fix and others, which it wouldn't. For example, um, Moose did this a couple of times and somebody else did it later. And I'll point it out when it happens again, but they do this thing. And Brandon, you've probably seen this a lot on like in your time. You you may have seen people do this and all your time watching, but like they'll give somebody an Irish whip to the ropes and they'll like just like look away. Like like they'll just be like, ugh. Like, oh, just get off me and I don't care what happens after that. Like it's like, you know, not not that you're trying to set up your next offensive move. Not that you're trying to put them in a position in which they're not going to be able to do what they want to do. It's just like, oh, just go to the ropes. And then they're surprised that the guy fucking comes back with something. You know, that's just, that's not the way to do that. If you're on the offense and you're shooting off a guy, you better be prepared to bring something when he's on the rebound. That's just the way it is. If you do anything else, you're the shits. I'm sorry. So I don't know why Moose is doing that. He should know better than that. Uh, but he did it twice here, and someone else does it later. So I don't know who's a fan of the look-away shoot-off, but uh, knock it off. And um, let's see. There were some redundant spots in the match. Like, they kept doing the same thing multiple times. Uh, don't know why they did that. They could have edited one of those out to make the guys look better and, you know, bring the show down uh, to, a you know, like, fill time somewhere else. <laughs> Add in a deleted scene from that opening match, maybe. Like, oh, you guys didn't see this spot. Well, here it is. Uh, Here's another was, five minutes of our opening. Another five match. minutes. Five more minutes. Five more minutes. And then um, another another thing, uh, there was a spot where the ref interrupted his own count to look at Myers on the outside. Yeah, that like, was so stupid. You saw that, right? What is that? Yeah. As a as a former referee, what is that? What do you think when you're seeing that? Like you're you're bad at your job. Like in, in a kayfabe sense, like you are a terrible ref. How, how'd you get that job? Yeah, how did he get that job anyway? Like when dudes on the outside just yelling and you're stopping your count for that, like, what are you doing? So what that tells me is that um, what probably happened is that Myers was supposed to do something and he didn't do it, and the ref went with the spot anyway. Yep, you're if, yeah, you you just can't you can't do you gotta roll with Call what's like there. A shoot. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Myers did the jump up later. So was there only supposed to be one jump up? And then he did it twice, or or like he didn't do it once, and then did it when he was supposed to, or did they really book two jump ups and he forgot one of them, or wasn't on time for one of them, or what was the case? I don't know. Um. Yeah, and then one other little thing. This this is something that they could have edited out with a different angle, uh, but like on the finish, Uemura's shoulder was up, like he was totally up the whole time. So like just a switch to the other side where you can't yeah. see that, and you're good. 
But all all I would have taken was a little camera angle to change. That was it. Yeah. But other than that, I don't care because damn it, I got a nice huge glistening moose on the screen for several minutes of uninterrupted moose action. So I really don't care what else happened. This was a win for me. Um uh Brandon, can you expound upon the greatness of Moose a little further? I know I didn't leave much. <laughs> moose is amazing. He's need why is he not what's he doing with Brian Myers? Like why is this thing continuing? I think they were they're insinuating is that there's actually like a genuine friendship starting to like build between those two. I think that's what they're kind of hinting at. Even though we've not seen anything like that. I mean, well, they did hit. There was a spot in there where uh, Myers sacrificed himself for and took like took a, kind of like a, a dive for Moose. Like he pushed him out of the way and took it. Right, but why would he do that? He didn't trust Moose from the start, and Moose only wanted him as a business proposition to embarrass Joe Hendry. Seems like they moved on from that because here yep. they are in this match now. But I don't know. <sighs> Myers drags everything down. Moose, Matt Cardona. It's just, can we just? Can we really? Um, Chris, can we really? <laughs> um, I really can't with Myers. Um, but I definitely can with Moose. Um, I've always got time for Moose. It was nice to see him in a match here. Um, I did think that this went a little long. Um, I didn't know that it's been this long since he was on TV, though. So I can totally understand if everyone was just super fucking happy to see him for however long he wanted to have this match go. Um but I, I thought that, I mean, they sent a very clear message that um, whatever happened with AEW, where uh, New Japan was apparently very unhappy with the way their talent were treated um, in AEW, um, they're going to feel very differently about Impact because if this is, if you're having Moose go this long against whatever this kid's fucking name was, um, then you are clearly showing that you you're, you're taking this this working relationship that you have with New Japan very seriously. Um, I thought of something great too that this kid could do in terms of you know when he goes back to Japan, um, he could do a he could do a gimmick where every time he gets hit in the head, he just collapses and is out cold, and he could be the new uh, Katsuyori Shibata. It'd be a it'd be a great gimmick. For oh, him. Um, oh, but. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as this match went, it was fine. I like watching Moose work. The kid seemed crisp. I mean, everything was good here. This was a, a really solid professional wrestling match. A little long for my taste for what I think of Moose, which is that the guy should just be given the world. Um, but, yeah, this was a good match. It was a lot of fun. And uh, it looks like, like I said, they're definitely taking that working relationship very seriously and good for them because it's probably good for them that they have such a strong uh, working relationship with New Japan. It quite is. I will just also add that, um, you know, you said his stuff looked crisp. I don't even agree. I think uh, I think he needs to tighten some of that shit up because his, uh, his strikes look weak and you can't be having a Japanese guy with strikes that look weak. Uh, that's the whole point. So, um, although I will say, I want to, I do want to put this over because you know how you, you've got the, you've got the narrative here on Hami Media Group, New Japan wrong style and all this stuff. And people always talking about these people throwing quote shitty forearms and all this other stuff. Right. And they, they don't like it. They don't like the spots. They mostly don't like the Americans that try to copy what they see Japanese wrestlers do. Um, but the narrative out there is that, you know, they, 
you know what it is. Well, I was watching, a, you know, the latest New Japan event, right? And they had a post-match where uh, there was like a little, after a match, there was like a little scuffle between Desperado and Ishii. And uh, Desperado uncorked a right cross on Ishii. Ishii dropped like a sack of uh, rocks and had to get help to the back off of one punch. The reason why that matters, they don't punch in Japan. They don't do it. The reason they don't do it is because it's supposed to mean something. It's supposed to be illegal. A punch in Japan is the equivalent of like somebody here in America using a steel chair almost. Like it's just, it's supposed to be like that, um, especially as somebody that's not ready for it. So well, they know I mean, exactly that- what the, they know exactly what the business is supposed to be. But then when you get people over here, they're like copying it, not understanding the psychology that the company is trying to put forward and like the, the kayfabe they're trying to uphold, the traditions that they're trying to instill and uphold. Yep. We don't see that. No one's ever going to see that but me because I'm watching that. But, you know, that's it, it's just a bad representation over here a lot of the times. So well, and look, when I was a kid, I mean, I remember vividly like in North American professional wrestling, you weren't allowed to throw punches with your closed fist. I mean, how often do I remember seeing a referee look at it, look at a, at a, at somebody and go, Hey, like, right. Like, no, you know, shaking his fist at him going, right. no closed fist. Right. That and the heel cool. always saying, no, it was a palm. It was a palm. <laughs> right. Yep. And heel, I was like, heel tactics are fantastic, but like, yeah, that wasn't that long ago, even in North America. And that when there's more rules for wrestling, it makes for so much better storytelling, mm-hmm. right? I mean, all of these things, all of these things that we do for rules in professional wrestling, they're not meant to actually regulate the wrestlers. They're meant to help tell a more interesting story, right? I was, I was just watching. I've been watching. I've been on a bit of a WCW kick, and I was watching. I've watched uh, a lot of when uh, Conan was a heel, and mm-hmm. he complained about getting his hair pulled almost every match which Classic. conan has been bald for a hundred years right <laughs> mm-hmm. so he's going you know oh, he pulled my hair and the reaction that he would get when he would do that was like see this is why we have rules in pro wrestling so that people can take advantage of these things and i mean we were talking about um uh we were talking about the guy not having his feet on the floor when he tagged right and how mm-hmm. it's important because it tells a story right and you know, another thing is the tag ropes. And um, I was watching a just a quick little clip on, on YouTube today, actually, about some of Eddie Guerrero's best moments, right? And there was mm-hmm. one where he untied the tag rope from the corner, and then he pulled it to the center of the ring, and he was hanging onto it yep. with his hand hanging over. Like, <laughs> I'm still hanging onto the damn rope, right? And the ref comes over, and he's like, no, that needs to be in the corner. And Eddie's like, but I have the rope, <laughs> you know, like... These things help to tell so much better stories in professional wrestling. And that's, that is my problem with extreme wrestling. That is my problem with um, no DQ everything, right? That's, this is why I honestly like thought that ECW, while it was great for its time, it was destined to oversaturate itself. And the reason for it is because you take away so many storytelling options when you have no when you have no rules, right? Mm-hmm. Then who's a heel? Who's a face? And how do you really tell that in, in most of professional wrestling if you don't have somebody cheating to win, right? So anyway, I'll shut up now and I'll let the actual referee uh, say what he was going to say. 
Oh, there, there's. Uh, remember, I actually remember there's a time when uh, we had to, we had to change the finish of a mat of the uh, match on the fly because it was supposed to be a roll up. Well, they ended up in the middle of the ropes, and it's like, I can't count that. You got to do something else. Yep. I mean, yep. that's just that's what you do, and if you know how to work, you can do that. If these guys knew how to work, they could do that. That's what working is. You know, Meltzer thinks working is doing a lot of things, but it's actually doing less things. So yep. that that's fine. Um, you know, that's why we're here to help you guys with that. But you know, even a simple fix for that tag that that tag thing, that tag spot in the six man match. If Trey Miguel's standing on the thing and he tags in, and then the guy starts to come in, and the ref's like, "You can't come in." Then that then that causes further friction between the babyface team and the heel third wheel. Yep. It like you you didn't make a legal tag, so you cost us the match now. Yep. You could have even beat one of the other two guys and have it been Trey Miguel's fault because he couldn't make the hot tag because he didn't do it right. Or whatever, any number of things. But even even if the referee just has to boringly tell him, put your feet on the rope and then let him tag in, you still gotta do that because you're taking away, like Chris said, the options and, of... And it underlines the, you're a piece of yeah. shit heel and you're trying to cheat, which is great. Right. I mean, when the referee catches the heel cheating and then tells him, hey, that's cheating, that's a really good spot in a professional wrestling match. Like, that's a really good moment of storytelling in professional wrestling. I love it. Do you think... I want to ask a question to both of you. Brandon, you first. Do you think we're so far gone now that trying to reinstill rules will not make as much of a difference because people have like lost sight of what it was supposed to be. Like they're so used to everything just being like, eh, whatever, inconsistent that they won't even notice little things like that or appreciate things like that. Or do you think it could actually, they could actually be retrained over time? It could be done, but you have to be like, Okay, this, like actually explain this is what we're doing. Like have like a, the on-screen authority figure saying, "All right, we're giving the authorities back to you know much more authority to the ref. They have more power to make these decisions on the fly." Like if you're not following the rules, all right, throw the match out, or you know, or just like this. We're we're going to be enforcing this. We're going to have people in the back watching this, and uh, just different creative storytelling avenues you can go with to reinforce. These, these rules and create more storytelling opportunities. Right. Chris, you think it's too far gone or can we eventually turn it around? No, not at all. Actually, I think the, the very opposite. I think that if you had a, a well-produced, well-funded professional wrestling um, company where they focused on the rules, where they, where they really got back to that kind of thing, I think that it would get over like gangbusters. And I really mean that. I think that you would see way more people be way more interested in a brand of professional wrestling that came across like people competing to win a match rather than people helping each other doing fun spots on the ropes or whatever. I, I, I you know, as far as, as, as far as like this idea of the, the second show or the Saturday show from AEW, I have said um, since this became a, a talking point that I would love to see it, provided that they got somebody into book who knew how to use guys like FTR and CM Punk and, you know, Miro, Orange right? Cassidy. Ha, ha, not keep that fucking guy away he actually okay his last match that he had i i will say i don't know if you heard what i had to say about it i did i thought it was fantastic it um is. although i usually can't stand orange cassidy because it's kind of the same joke over and over and over again 
that match was completely different and it was great um but if you got somebody in who could book and who could write wrestling in a way that actually brought it back to you know an old school style like that i honestly believe that if you did that on a saturday show with cm punk and ftr and had them be the focus i think that that show would outdraw um uh, dynamite within seven months and i really believe that i actually think sure. that that's the truth because i think people want to understand professional wrestling and i think when there's rules people can understand things when there's no rules or when the rules are only followed sometimes or sometimes this is cheating but sometimes it's not uh, uh, it just confuses people and I think that a professional wrestling promotion with a lot of money and production value behind it that focused on the old school, you know, uh, of just trying to simulate a, a combat sport um, would just, I think it would take off like crazy in today's day and age. I really honestly think that that would be an incredibly intelligent thing for AEW to do if this Saturday show is for real. Um, you know... I don't know how popular this would have been, but I thought when Ring of Honor was doing TV during the lockdown, I thought they had the best weekly show in terms of what I wanted from a pro wrestling show. And they kind of featured the pure title more on some of those shows. And I was kind of thinking like when Ring of Honor, if and when it ever comes back full time, I think they should just do like a sort of a shuffling where there is the pure title is the promotion and all the matches are consistent under those rules because you could see random bullshit pro wrestling on any channel but what's going to set you apart what makes you ring of honor what makes anything and i think the pure rules match gives you enough pro wrestling you can still do everything you can in a pro wrestling match the only problem is there are certain penalties if you get caught during things so like you said it just opens up more avenue for stories but no they just do the same old thing and you know whatever it's fine. And the reason that they do that, the reason that they have so many DQ matches and everything is because, you know, they're under pressure to deliver, whether it's ratings, merchandise, tickets, um, they, they're under pressure to do that. So they're hot shotting. It's all hot shotting. The reason they think it's more exciting. I think it would be very exciting if Tony Khan came out and did one of his classic promos where he's like, there's not going to be any more backstage fights. There's not going to be any more kidnappings. There's not going to be any more cars getting flipped over with a forklift. There's not going to be any of this stuff anymore. You're all going to be fine, suspended or fired or all this other stuff. And then you, you know, bring things back down to, to ground zero again and, and start over. Yep. Um, but with, but what you're talking about with a more sports, you know, like, like focused, you know, rules focused, you know, re, re, um, like, like re-emphasize the rule structure and everything like that. I mean, with the WWE being bought by Endeavor and merged with the UFC, I think there's no better time than to try something a little more official seeming, right? But what do I know? Uh, um, so, speaking of what do I know, Jimmy Jacobs was... <laughs> what the, did Jimmy Jacobs... When were we? When was the last time before I started saying his name on this show? When was the last time we saw Jimmy Jacobs ever on this show? There's always gonna be a double J in Impact. Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, Ain't he great? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All of a sudden, I start throwing Jimmy Jacobs around on the Impact attack, and lo and behold, he shows up. Um, and he's here to welcome Nick Aldis for an interview, and. Uh, 
I thought that uh, he kind of oversold the Impact title as the recognized symbol of excellence. But other than that, uh, pretty mm-hmm. good. Uh, Chris, pretty good. I, I I mean, Nick Aldis is a national treasure. Um, he's great. He, he really is fantastic. You give him basically anything, and he'll figure out a way to get it over, including you know basically giving an NWA promo here where he talked about how you know it's a, it's the standard bearer for for professional wrestling. Uh, you know the Impact World Championship. And I just thought, oh God bless you. You got through through that without laughing. <laughs> fantastic that you got through that without a chuckle. Um, yeah, Nick Aldis is great. This was fine. This was better than better than most people could have got this same verbiage over. Put it that way. He's he's still NWA. Like he's not only NWA that he was just in. He's NWA that was in the eighties and the seventies. <laughs> like he's still doing that. You hear him say things that you would imagine. I could hear Dusty Rhodes saying that, and I think Nick Aldis did, and that's why he likes to say it too. <laughs> um, so like. <laughs> Uh, but uh, Brandon, what do you what do you think about the national treasure? Nah, it's good to see him bring this gimmick to uh, Impact. I mean, and he re- and uh, him kind of re- uh, uh, recap his history with the company. And the fact, he even brought up his uh, gladiator gimmick from when he first started. That horrible gimmick. Yep. <laughs> Not sponsored. Uh, anyway, um, there you go. Uh, so we all agree that Nick Aldis is the greatest of all time, basically. Like right, <laughs> right, just just like just like kind of sitting there, right on Bret Hart's shoulders at the top. It goes um, Bret Hart, Nick Aldis, everybody else. Yeah, Orange Cassidy, <laughs> Jay White. <laughs> oh, all right, yeah, your uh, words. Hey, I love Orange. He can go. Uh, but you know who else can go? Frankie Kazarian. Because he's going to go against two dudes, the good hands, the guys with the business-exposing tag team name um, and the business-exposing tag team handshake. Uh, here's the ironic thing about this, guys. Frankie Kazarian is what you actually call a good hand. He's a guy that when he's in there, you kind of care, not enough to ever really care, but like just enough that if he's working with somebody that you like, you'll be very interested. And if he's working with somebody that you don't like, you probably could miss it. Um, he's the exact thing. I think people, whether they know it or not, he's one of the kind of people that would spring to somebody's mind. If they use the phrase as Dutch Mantel would say a good little hand, uh, that's Frankie Kazarian. These guys, on the other hand, there's a baseline of competency in wrestling and these guys are straddling it with the danger of falling over to the wrong side at times. Um, such as, you know, you, you saw that attempt at a jackknife cover on <laughs> Frankie Kazarian by, I don't know which one, the fat one. Um, just like the, these, these guys are not so much the good hands as they are the poster children for indie wrestling, which is like semi-professional looking ones. Like they'd be the guys that are main eventing the rec centers and the high school gyms and stuff like that, because they've got the requisite outfit, which I've run down the uniform before, right, Brandon? What is it like from top to bottom? It's a Pidgeotto haircut, um, beard, uh, look like you go to the gym, but don't care about your diet so much tights with a belt, kick pads 
I mean, am I missing anything? Do I leave anything out? No. Like, this is your every indie wrestler that's never going to be anybody, but looks like somebody that kind of is somebody. They're like cherry picking some AJ Styles or, <laughs> you know, whatever else they see along the way. Um, yeah, that's what these guys are. This was the match that had the look away whip, like they did it again. Uh, and uh, Kaz wins with a chicken wing. Brandon. What advice would you give the good hands if they're ever going to be anybody in this business? Oh, shit. Get an actual character. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's that's very uh that's, that's very easy to say. It's not so easy to do apparently. I remember hearing like, you know, on one of the uh, Lions, Tigers, Bears, and Heads, I remember a while ago, I don't remember the specific thing that they were talking about, but Al Snow was like talking about what somebody wasn't doing as a wrestler, and he then brought up an example using like Hulk Hogan and, you know, all this other stuff. And I was just like, so wait, your advice is be Hulk Hogan? That's terrible. Why would anybody listen to you? <laughs> you can't just be Hulk Hogan, dude. Like, I understand that, you know, everybody has their different skill sets. You have to figure out what makes you somebody that people would want to pay to see. If you can't figure that out, it may be time to put on the referee shirt and stop working out. At least have enough respect for the business to know that. Or stick to the rec centers. Now, granted, I don't begrudge anybody trying to make any kind of living in the professional wrestling business at all. I know it sounds like I do sometimes. Most of that is for your entertainment to give you guys a laugh. The truth is my comment to every professional wrestler out there is do what you can, make all the money you can and do the best you can with that money so that you don't end up, you know, like a vegetable somewhere. Um, and you have a happy life. That's my advice to literally every single talent. Okay. No matter who you are, no matter how bad I buried you in the past, or if I've even claimed to, to hate you or whatever, that's my real advice. I give different advice to maybe promoters and other people in the company though, about those people, but that's why I don't run a promotion and I don't have to make these decisions. Okay. I'm just telling you what I like to see as a fan these days. And I have a little bit of extra background to color my opinions somewhat so that's the truth of it but it's you know you say get a character i don't know if these guys can maybe they think this is it maybe they think just being called the good hands as a rib on the business which is like something the young bucks would do is like maybe they think that's what it takes and if impact's letting them do it why would they think any different um i don't know um but uh, that, that's what I think. Do you have anything else, Brandon, to add on this general whole segment or these guys? Oh, that promo they cut on the way to the ring, Blake, was... It didn't make any sense. Like, you built this? No. What? No. You haven't even been here a year. You ain't built shit. They haven't. But they're good hands, though. And they do the little, little soft handshake. You get that reference, Chris, the soft handshake? You do, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. Have you ever had, I mean, you probably get, you probably gotten it from people that weren't even wrestlers just because they don't know how to shake hands, but 
I have, yeah. Well, I was uh, I, I grew up a Mormon, and I served a mission in Southern California, so I definitely had some handshakes where I went, okay, come on, just grip, for fuck's sakes. Like, this is super gay. Like, just grip. Grip. Please. Feels so weird when you go to shake somebody's hand, and they just... Ugh. Ugh. Yes. Also, if they're if they're if they're set on exposing the business, I think that a way better gimmick would be to rebrand themselves and call themselves Shindy Fucks, but F U X. That would be mm. great. I think that that would be way more entertaining than Good Hands. Would be entertaining, a little more problematic, but more entertaining. Um, a controversy creates cash. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I don't know if they're going to be back and better than ever, but. Um, what do you what do you think, Chris? What what do you think of this whole this whole the, the Frankie beats both these guys in a handicap match? Which, yes, fine, I, I like it. Whatever, yep. whatever these guys. Um, but but I mean, you know, you can elaborate however you feel. Frankie's great. It's always good to see Frankie Gazarian work. He uh, he's a good little at, hand. Yeah, even <laughs> at this age, he still moves way better than most people in professional wrestling. Um, he gets it. He knows what he's doing in the ring in terms of he's not just doing moves. He knows what moves to do when and what can tell what story. Uh, love Frankie Kazarian in terms of his in-ring talent. Um, and yeah, these are the two guys. I mean, the way that they were coming to the ring, I thought, oh, are these guys like 18-time uh, Impact Tag Team Champions or what? Because they built this house, did they? Because, <laughs> okay, I don't remember hearing anything about you two. Um well, yeah, I mean, I, I, just just real quick on that note, because you both you guys both talked about it, but if I could forgive them anything, it would be that because what should a heel do but say a why? bunch of stuff that's not true, yeah. and that's how they get their heat. It's not enough, but uh, you know, it, it is at least a little something. But still, yeah. Right, I, other than that, I don't have a whole ton to say about this. Just yeah, change your name from Good Hands to Indie Fucks, and uh, mm-hmm. and and just you know, go with it, guys. Like. You know, come to the ring with light tubes that you don't use and stuff like that. That'll that'll get over way better than this good hands nonsense you're doing right now. I worry that these guys would, uh, because they're not really good hands, I worry that they'd go to, like, take a light tube and they'd, like, they'd rear back and the light tube would just snap, you know, <laughs> and then they'd look even stupider. That's That would be my fear on that. Just take their own light tube shot to the shoulder. Ah, yeah. Sh- yeah. Maybe. Uh, maybe possible. they maybe one of them can learn how to throw fire. That was that was another shindy thing we saw uh, this week from professional wrestling. The guy blowing fire and then setting his face on fire. That's great. That could that could be their gimmick. All right, what what kind of dumb shit did we see that happened on the Indies this weekend? All right, we're gonna repeat it this week on the show. I I love honestly like when they first started QTV on AEW. That's what they did. They they did like the oh did you see this funny thing like sort of thing on and I thought. Oh man, if they lean into this, QTV could be my favorite fucking thing of any professional wrestling promotion ever if they just lean right into, hey, this was stupid from wrestling Twitter this week. Uh, but of course they didn't do that because that was that was way too clever. Yeah. And then you'd have to disparage a wrestler that may be coming in to work a shot. <laughs> so, well, well, not well, this well, guy, well, though. Well, there's, I, your, well, there's your angle. Hey, I hear you talking shit about me. Right, yeah. that would be good, but they're not going to do that because it's too interesting. Um, 
Yeah. I would now to me if the guy like the guy does that spot where he blows the fire and it goes back on him and he burns himself or whatever and I'm the referee, I would just go out there and dis disqualify him right right while he's burning alive. Ring the bell. <laughs> all right. So uh all right, next is uh the coven. Uh they play Uno or something. I don't know, I wasn't really paying attention. Um What do you think, Brandon? Uh is this a did they did they get the reverse card at the right the right spot in the game looked like a draw four ah yeah definitely this felt like a bunch of draw fours um but yeah so no um, one thing i noticed are the content of them talking about the age of aquarius at least they're doing their homework because that's actually what the new age movement is kind of like about is the whole age of aquarius Uh oh okay and uh, I thought it was interesting, too, because in the uh, Diana video, she talked about a new age for her. What if they put these two groups together? And Diana kind of ended up being like their object of worship. Right. Well, yeah, they're the tag team champions. And then they're looking at Diana as the champion. And I think they referenced it. I mean, I wasn't really yep. paying attention, but they it may did. have yep. sunk in, you know, through osmosis or whatever. Um, But, yeah. uh, So... You know, anything else? I mean, at least we actually got, like, the champions on the show in some form or fashion. Yeah. It, it, everybody's got to show up at least a little bit on each show. The consistency. I I think uh, that's important. All right, Chris, what's your experience with uh, the Coven? Uh, this. Uh, this, uh, this video package is my entire experience with the Coven. Well, uh, Taylor Wilde, you know, maybe not like this. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I liked this, uh, probably more than a lot of people might just because it did have cohesion, uh, with the rest of the show, which I think is sorely lacking from most professional wrestling right now. I mean, you know, I watch AEW. That's sort of my primary concern in terms of podcasting. And I apologize. Yes, so often you'll have a segment with the best friends, and they're getting a ride with uh, with Trent's mom, and then mm-hmm. the next segment will be, um, you know, the the Dark Order are uh, are worshiping Satan in the back room, and it's like, what? How does this? How do these people exist in the same fucking world? Um, and I like that. Uh, I like that. There's this cohesion and impact. I thought that this this is one of those gimmicks that can get really cheesy really quickly and it probably is but in terms of this little video package it made a lot of sense why these people are looking in on on the world champion and uh you know like like was already said they referenced what had already been said by someone they're looking at going after which good cohesion uh and it was it was good it was as far as i'm concerned this was a good little video package and uh probably got them over better than a match would have uh definitely got them better over better than the match would have because if they had a match you may have would have seen that taylor likes to do her tarot readings in between the bells (laughs) great sometimes she likes to show the opponent the card that she just drew and then they have to stare at it and then not wrestle for some reason for a second uh but anyway yeah um well, I can just say that as an Aquarius, uh, I don't want to be associated with any of this. <laughs> uh, and speaking of, don't want to be associated with any of this. Sammy Callahan comes up next. Um, he's almost fully spherical at this point. Um, 
and he's doing another one of those like it's like on a digital camera but he's trying to add analog seeming effects and he's got a little icon of a vhs tape in the corner um but there's still somehow it's still somehow like a selfie uh and it's got music and there's editing in it because he he splices in footage from something else so so during a selfie promo he's splicing in footage so i you know i'm just i basically you you guys all know what i think of sammy by now not impressed never gonna be impressed this kind of shit is corny as fuck if you really wanted to impress me you would have got a real vhs camcorder and filmed something in one take uh with and, and cut a promo without all this other corny bullshit i know you can do it if there's anything sammy callahan can do at, at any level of competency it's probably cut a promo so even this he fucks it up the presentation fucks it up the production fucks it up because even though it's not technically as bad none of it makes sense and it's corny okay now i'm passing it to brandon man can, can they just made this entire storyline any any worse probably but let's let's just be glad that they didn't like they went this whole crap this whole thing of the entire time like they never trust never trust and i'm okay we're gonna trust you now Oh, I was screwing you the entire time. Like, oh my god. Oh, yeah. So, just in case you weren't following along, Chris, the uh, Sammy I Callahan. Okay, you got it. I got okay. it. All he needed was that one moment where Diener handed him a baseball bat. That's all he yeah. needed to 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 ruin the entire uh, organization from the inside out. Yes, which he clearly has, since the other three aren't still together and aren't still doing exactly what they were before he came there. Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. Well, like many things in his life, he didn't think it through. Retribution uh, did it better, which, hey, that's an indictment. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, yeah. I don't know, guys. I don't know. It's just... um. Yeah, it's a thing. So, I guess if anybody has nothing else to add, we can move on, but no? Yeah. Okay. Um, Sheldon Jean is uh, here with us. And uh, did you guys know that he was on Big Brother Canada Season 8? Was he now? Yes. Wait, he was on, season, he was on Big Brother Season 8? Yeah, not 7, but 8. Wow. Yeah, I know but, that but, but not because like you're from Canada, brother. you knew that and were a big fan of all the seasons. So you, this was actually, you were probably like, Ugh, why do I have to hear this? I already know this. Everybody knows this, right? Yeah, I was like, come on, guys. This is like <laughs> saying that Wayne Gretzky is a good hockey player. Everybody in this country knows what happened right. that season in Big Brother during the pandemic. Jeez. Yes. You should have added another minute to that six man in the opening, you know, like, <laughs> rather than show this. Um, but yeah, so he's taking on Joe Hendry here, uh, who, by the way, his little turn zoom thing the, during his before his promo got fucked. They didn't even he'd barely turned and they zoomed way late and half assed. It was just like, what happened here? What happened? But anyway, that's uh, that that plus the fact that. He was going to mention that Big Brother thing in his promo, but the announcers already killed it by showing little photos and talking over it, like explaining that he was there. 
they could have done that during the match after Joe Hendry had brought it up. Like, I think that would have been a better way to go about it. That's just me, but whatever. Um, I also think that uh, Big Brother may be what uh, Sheldon calls that lump on his collarbone because it, he has not gotten that checked out since we saw him last. At least I don't think he has. It certainly hasn't been reduced, drained, removed, covered up with a bandage. Uh, so, you know, he, he didn't buy a shirt uh, to wear. Um, it's still there, and I worry about it. Like, I, I just don't want it to, like, burst or something weird in the ring, and then then we really got to deal with the... You really got to put the editors into overtime for this. Um, at, least yeah. it ain't, at least it ain't like a, a staph infection bursting in the ring off a bump. I mean, not yet. No, he'd probably be dead by now if it was a real <laughs> staph infection because he's, he's had that for a while. Like, we haven't <laughs> seen him in a while, but he's had that thing. It was the same thing we saw. So I don't know what that is. I don't really want to make fun of it. I mean, I kind of do, but like, you know, I, I am genuinely concerned, you know, all jokes aside. Uh, but I guess it's fine because he's working with it. Um, standing 0 and 5, and Joe Hendry goes over. Uh, so, hey, we've, we've checked off some boxes. We've gotten Moose, we've gotten Joe Hendry, and uh, we didn't get Masha. So, two out of three ain't bad, though, as Meatloaf says. Um, but uh yeah brandon i mean we we did get some hendry here uh i'm sure you were happy right oh yeah where it's been nice to see like just a little something to see where he's going next yeah they didn't really um they really there was no angle afterwards right they just he won the match and then they just go to the next fucking thing right great uh that means they don't know Mm, so yeah. Joe Hendry. What do you think of Joe Hendry's gimmick, Chris? I love it. Um I, I right away here when they when they started the the song and the in the video, I was I was I was thinking, <laughs> "Oh, this is this is Bo Dallas done better." Um and I like the Bo Dallas character uh, in NXT. I thought that was great. The uh you know, the the um I don't even know what you'd call it, the uh um, self-help guru type of gimmick is just, it's a lot of fun. I really liked it. Clearly the crowd was into it. Um, it might've been the most into it that they had been in, you know, for anything on the show, to be honest with you. And, um, yeah, I, I could see why they were. I was, I was definitely sitting there thinking, Oh, I like this. This is good. This is well done. Um, and it's simple character, but it's character enough that you're going to get over with the character. So, that's the right way to do pro wrestling. Yeah. So you're saying you believe, Chris. I believe. All right. Yep. All right. You, you don't have to wave your hand side to side unless you want to. But um, all right. Okay, good. Very you good. Should, you For the should, content. You should have seen some of the pre-tapes and vignettes leading up to his like him bringing this character to the impact. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably go look him up, to be honest <laughs> with you, because I really liked this. Mm-hmm. I thought this was one of the best things about the show was – was I came away from thinking it? I, I came away from this segment thinking, okay, they might actually have something here, like a like a real something here. So, mm. um, yeah. So the you say that, and that makes me that leads me to believe that uh, pun intended that you mm-hmm. had not seen Joe Hendry from his previous Impact run, his Ring of Honor run, his MLW appearances. Never seen him nope. before. This is the first you're seeing of this gimmick. First I'm seeing of them, yep. 
He's always had this sort of a gimmick. He's he's tweaked it a little bit, but originally it was more like he would sing like a custom song about his opponent every time he did an entrance. Like that that was how it started and then then it just sort of became this sort of like a an inspirational motivational speaker type thing. So same thing but kind of different. Um but yeah, uh and uh, you said, uh, what did you say? You said, this is Bo Dallas done better. I would also contend that it's a jacked Scottish guy who can go done better. Take that, Drew McIntyre. <laughs> um, so, Who's totally going to AEW so that they can help sell out the Wembley yep. show? Yep. CM Punk's over at Raw. You can, you can bet that uh, Drew McIntyre is going <laughs> to... They made a trade. They made a trade, guys. <laughs> a trade. <laughs> The deadline is approaching. They had to do something. Now right? watch the 400 tweets that, that say that this is actually true and that that happened. I just, I love Twitter wrestling. It's, that's the most entertaining thing in the world. Seriously. Who the Drew McIntyre's fuck? totally going so he can help sell out Wembley, man. Shut who up. The, who the fuck would buy a ticket to see Drew McIntyre? I don't even want to turn on the TV to see him. And that's sad. Saying that is sad. I realize how that sounds when I say it out loud, but I'm sorry that you can only do this for so many years. Um, all right. So here we are at the main event. And Drew McIntyre is nowhere to be found, as usual. Uh, it's the Burt Macklin uh, ceremony um, in which he comes out with the, uh, the guards, more guards, and uh, he does a open challenge. You know, after after a little bullshit speech or whatever, you know your usual boilerplate heel stuff. Uh, he does the open challenge, but only open to Canadians. Um, and then Scott Demore comes out, and it looks like you know, as usual, Scott Demore being in the main event, being the focus of everyone's attention, uh, looking like he actually bothers to take off his watch and toss it, like he's really going to do something. And we believe it, cause damn it. He, he Canadian destroyed one of those good hands a few weeks ago. So, you know, we, <laughs> I guess Chris is not smart enough about that. Um, yeah, Scott Demore, we know he used to be a wrestler, and we know that he's itching to fight because he doesn't like uh, uh, Burt Macklin, especially after Macklin hit him with the title, you know, at Rebellion. You know, he doesn't appreciate that very much. So is this going to be it? Now nah, just bring out PCO. It's PCO, everybody. PCO gets a title shot. PCO, a Canadian. It's PCO. Brandon PCO. He went over on he went over on Eddie, right? Yep. Uh, at least it makes sense then. Who is also nowhere to be seen? I guess he really did die, <laughs> and that's why Alicia looked like she gained weight because the food in the house. She was able to eat some of it and give some to the kids. And I just keep filling out Eddie's t-shirt. Is that also anyway, why continue. her eyes looked so puffy? Or is that just how she looks? Yes. Yeah. No, no further elaboration. Yes. The answer <laughs> is yes. Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. What do you think, Brandon? This whole deal. Was this main event worthy? Or... Could we have maybe said this surprise is so not a surprise and so soft and weak that we probably should have closed with the six man? 
you probably could have opened with this and then built to something else later on in the show with Macklin. Hmm. And then had the and had the sixth man like in the middle of the show somewhere else. What if Steve? What if Macklin refereed the sixth man? Nah, probably not. <laughs> That's terrible. Um. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Uh, this was uh, you know, I don't know. I guess it wasn't main event worthy. Chris was it main event worthy or? Um. No. <laughs> um. I don't I don't really know too much about Macklin other than like I I, I knew I sort of I, I sort of understand the character as you know he's the he's the bitter ex soldier kind of thing um, it's fine he seems to be fine in the ring from what I saw on Rebellion like I said he wasn't aggressively terrible or anything um, as far as this being a reveal I mean. I don't know, man. I look. I'm probably gonna get my Canadian passport taken away for this, but like, can I just suggest that PCO should stop at this point? He no, you may not. No, you may not. He, <laughs> he doesn't look good moving around anymore, and I get that. That's even like part of the gimmick of he's Frankenstein and etc. But I mean, it's starting to look a little bit unbelievable in that his stuff isn't connecting. He, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to be really, um, people seem to be taking his moves rather than him giving them. Um, and I, I'm starting to get just sort of tired of PCO. And I mean, as a human being, I, I love the guy. I hope nothing but the best for him, but as a character, I'm just out on PCO personally. Yeah, I definitely ain't taking no cannonball on the apron <laughs> from that guy. Just hoping yeah. that he doesn't kill me. Yeah, because <laughs> it looks like he might kill somebody. And I, again, as a person, he, he seems like a fantastic guy. But that character is, uh, I don't know, it's gotten to the point. It was fine when, I, when he first debuted it, I think. There was a little bit, it was a little interesting. But it really hasn't gone anywhere and i mean anywhere character wise he's still just cosplaying frankenstein it's almost like when extreme wrestling was cool in the mid 90s and it's not cool anymore you look at the novelty of it because you haven't seen it it's only later that you realize that it has you know, infested and ruined an entire industry. So the same thing with this. Yeah, like he had to do this gimmick for whatever reason he wanted to do it. Now he's stuck doing it. He wants to do it. He knows what he's doing. It's not like he's some young guy like that doesn't get it. Like he don't totally gets it. But this is what has been come up with. And now he just kind of has to do it. There is no going back from it. It's either kill yourself or retire there's no working there's no having a regular match there's no any of that and if anybody was able to get uh like a type of match where they could work around him having to do that stuff like he would always almost do it but for some reason not end up doing it macklin ain't that kind of a worker yeah so he's gonna need to get somebody else to put their match together for him uh, cause otherwise it's just going to be 
more of this stuff. And if they don't, by the time they get to whatever the next show is going to be, if they don't put a stipulation on it where PCO can be outside of the ring as long as he wants and do a bunch of illegal stuff as much as he wants, then it's going to be really weird to just have a normal match with him in it. So, I'm not sure about this, but what can we do? It's This is what it is. Josh Alexander ain't coming back anytime soon. Um, Ooh, what if they did an I quit match and that led to PCOs being like, I can't do this anymore, and he quits in the middle of the match? Hmm. Hmm. Putting me on the spot, I don't know if I like that or not, but it may be the only way. And it may be the eventual end of it. But the way they do it usually is like PCO dies and people carry him off somewhere and then he gets resurrected at a later point in time. So if they just do that one more time and then he never comes back, that can be a retirement. Maybe they can go with the I quit, you know, stipulation or whatever. It doesn't seem like something he would verbally say. So maybe they could gimmick it up some way, like, you know, how Austin never actually said it in 97 or something like that. I don't know. Mick Foley never actually said it. He never actually said it. Yeah, you could do something, but I don't know. Yeah, what do you think? How do you, What do you think, Chris? What's the PCO swan song? Uh, I mean, I think that at this point, you just have him go out the same way he's gone out a number of times before. He gets carted off after quote-unquote dying, and he just doesn't come back. And then you just sort of see him one day at a at an event, and he can't walk really anymore, but he, he nods to you, and you go, Hey, I remember when that guy had makeup on his face. Or he comes back as a pirate. Pirate gimmicks are great. Those always get over, for sure. Every one of them. Okay. Well, I think we're running out of steam here trying to book <laughs> PCO's retirement. Um, but even if I say so myself, I think we had one hell of a show here. Like This was a lot of fun. And uh, as I listen to myself talk, I'm like, wow, I kinda, I'm pretty cool. Um, and you guys are too. So it, it's a good team we have here. I'd love to have uh, Chris on as many times as he'd like to be on, um, but then that would mean watching more Impact, and I would never also ask that of anybody. <laughs> so I think we'll just space it out kind of how we've been doing it every couple months, few weeks or so, and uh, check in with Impact and see how they're doing. Um, but, uh, you know, in the meantime, um, what are you doing, Chris? Oh, me? Um, yeah. Well, you can you can find me on the PwC, um, the mm-hmm. PwC network. We uh, we do a number of shows on basically everything professional wrestling. Um, my main show is the Wednesday Night Skirmish, where we cover <clears throat> AEW Dynamite. Um, hopefully, we've got a big Saturday show starting in a couple of months. Here, that would be fun. Um, yeah, you can, you can also find me on a bunch of other people's podcasts. I do things like this. Um, also I'm now one of the co-hosts for the smack attack. Um, so we're over there doing that, which means I have to watch WWE wrestling. Um, but I'm still not watching raw. So, you know, thank God for small favors. Um, 
but um, yeah, other than that, you can find me on uh, on Twitter. I'm at ChrisAms1, where you can hear me, where you can read me talk about uh, all things politics, professional wrestling, and just whatever the hell else I feel like talking about, because that's how Twitter works. Um, or you can find me on Facebook. You can just look for my beautiful face. Um, if your profile picture is you holding a, a wrestling belt, I'm not adding you unless you're an actual professional wrestler. <laughs> um, just a heads up on that one. But other than that, yeah, you can find me on wonderful programs like this very program. Uh, whenever you guys choose to have me back, I'm more than happy to come back and talk impact with you guys. And that's uh, that, that Twitter handle is... Uh... Chris Ams one, which is spelled. Uh, yeah, it's at Chris Ams. That's A M B S, like lambs with Noel or bullshit. First thing in the morning, and don't worry, uh, anyone listening to me who happens to listen often, if you ever forget how to spell my name, I'll just keep repeating it for you. It's your gimmick, sir. It, <laughs> it is, is your gimmick. It's become uh, gimmick. Brandon. What's your gimmick? Uh, my gimmick is you can find me on Twitter at TransArchistTia as well as Twitch at twitch.tv slash MissTiaTheTransArchist and here every Monday night for the Impact Attack. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop, indeed. Uh, if you care to hear more of me, uh, you can find me on all your favorite social media platforms, all kinds of platforms, at Opinion Haver. There's only one true Opinion Haver, and you'll know it's me. Um, you can find me on such shows as... All these shows on the Hameen Media Group platform, which is part of Channel Attitude with Russo Brand. So, some of those include uh, my Wednesday show, which is uh, the Next Level Wrestling Review, every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, with Big Ray Hernandez. And we are, you know, schedule permitting, we would love to have Mr. Ams uh, on a Next Level Review, even though... He might have to watch NXT, but we're also trying this thing where we graciously show our guests the door at the one hour mark so they don't have to talk about NXT and they can just have fun with us for the first hour. So that may or may not be something, but I think at least once we got to torture this guy. So I'd be that, happy to be on any show with, with you guys. All right. So we'll work that out. And then, um, but that's, that's that. You can also find me as you, uh, not maybe not every single week ever, but you know, for, you know, it's a pleasure for me to fill in for the likes of uh, RBV, Rick Vickery, and Timmy Baltimore on the Monday locker room uh, to sit in with Ben Hameen. And we had, again, if I say so myself, I thought it was a really good show today. Um, I'm not just saying that because I was on it, but the things that we were talking about, Ben's the new Crossfire Heavyweight Wrestling Champion, and we talked about that, and we talked about things that you're not going to hear other wrestlers talk about on wrestling podcasts in terms of championships, fan experiences, whatever. We talked a lot about you know the news headlines of the day. Um, and those went into some interesting directions. So you're going to want to, it's, it's that one show is worth every bit of a $5 subscription to, you know, channel attitude. But the thing about that $5 subscription is that gets you that show, every show and every show ever. So there's, uh, almost un, an unlistenable amount of content for you, uh, for the price of less than a Starbucks coffee. So put the coffee down um and uh let's see what else uh other things coming up 
Um, I've recorded a show, an episode of Shooting the Shit Uncensored with the great Pierce Austin. So be looking for that in the next week and a half, two weeks, whenever it is that he'll drop that. Uh, we had another great conversation that went in all kinds of places. So you're going to want to check me out there if you care to hear more of me. And I always talk about wrestling with Rip Rogers on YouTube. Go subscribe and check out that live Q&A every Friday. Rip is a... Uh, uh, He's an irreplaceable fountain of knowledge. And um, even though he may not, you know, spray every bit of liquid of knowledge uh, every single episode, you just never know when you're going to hear something that, again, you'll never hear anywhere else because no one puts it quite like Rip. And you might see me on there. Like, I'm very invitable on there. And I've been on there multiple times. So you never know when the vet could pop in and say hello at Lila Studios. So always be on the lookout and hit that notification bell. And then, of course, I got to shout out the great Stevie Richards all the time. Still putting up videos, still reviewing saunas after four months of having an indoor sauna. You know, walking on the beach, looking like, you know, very Christ-like. Um, just so everything about Stevie is so inspiring and great. You, you want to follow Stevie and check out all of his stuff. I'll give you a tip. You can follow him on Twitter not really going to be on Twitter that much unless he's linking you to something on YouTube or Instagram. Those are the places where Stevie's the most active. So check out Stevie Richards. And um, I think that's everything that I've got to put over. Oh, and follow Jay White, Jay White NZ on uh, all of his social media platforms. <laughs> Greatest wrestler alive today, the Bret Hart of today, but from New Zealand. I guess it's a concession we'll all have to make. Um, but anyway, that being said, thank you very much once again to our, our guest, Chris Ams. And uh, for Brandon, uh, I'm the vet, and I don't have a sign-off line. Olay. <laughs>